1: It's time for Motherhood Talk Radio, live on Toganet.com. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from child care to corporate formation. Motherhood Talk Radio features the powerful voices of Christy Hawley, Robin Boyd, Linda Franklin, Tracy Coston, Danny Kiernan, Susan Haid, and Lisa Dietress. Together, these women bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s, from great parenting tips to moms living with cancer, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do
2: it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey Mamas, this is Sandra Beck and today is the Don't Touch My Stuff show and uh, I have a guest co-host with me. Her name is Tracy Coston. You might know her from our famous belly dancing shows. Mm-hmm. Tracy, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here it is it is well you know what's so fun about doing this show with you is that we have uh, Dr. Suzanne Phillips and she has more letters after her name I know she's a licensed psychologist she's like a diplomat on the American Board of Professional Psychology she's a certified group psychologist she's got all these credentials but what I love most about her is that she explains things so I can understand them which doesn't (laughs) happen a lot of the times when we cover this stuff with highly educated people so I really appreciate that Um, and we're going to Talk Tracy today about don't touch my stuff because Ooh, when great. you have, isn't that? Do, do you yeah, have those is issues yes. in your house? Especially oh, yeah. your kids and my kids are very close in age and their little ones, elementary school age, and stuff is a big thing. Mm hmm. Now, what do you find in your house? Like, I know my older one is always like, he's going to break it. Yes, That's I mine. get that,
0: too. <laughs> I get that, too. Or, you know, he hasn't touched that toy in months, but all of a sudden his sister touches it and it's a big issue. Like, Isn't oh, that amazing? Yes,
2: yes. Right. Something collecting dust in, cor- in the corner has just right. become your favorite toy ever.
0: Right. Out of 100 things they have to play with, at that moment they both want it. Yeah. <laughs> And it's true. And our kids are not exactly lacking in no. stuff. No, no, they're not. They're lucky. Yeah. They don't know how lucky they are. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. why I want to give my kids the whole, when I grew up, we had six toys for four
2: yeah. kids, you know. But, right.
0: You know, they don't and get that. And had to play outside and, a lot. I'm trying to get them to go outside more, too. Just enjoy the outdoors and stop playing with the, you know, calculating, you know, the games on the calculator and all that stuff.
2: Oh, absolutely. And especially it's finally cool enough. So there's no excuse. You know, it's like my mom used to send us out in blizzards, sleet.
0: She's like, oh, I just come in to warm up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were in Buffalo. That's kind of tough.
2: Yeah, that's true, because it was <laughs> nasty weather most of the time, but we just got used yeah. to it. You just put on your snowsuit, or you put on your rain boots, and and yeah. off you went. But I think with the technology, too, it's really, really hard, I know, for me to get my kids out the door.
0: Oh, I know. It's the electronic era, and the, the kids are better at it than we are, and it's, just, it's crazy.
2: Oh, you know what happened yesterday, Trace, is my son Max gave me a contract. He actually wrote <laughs> out... He made me sign it, because I promised him he would get Minecraft, which is an online video game, like kind of like online Legos, okay. if he stopped fighting with his brother. And every day we would get through a day without him fighting with his brother, because he's usually the instigator, he right. would get a letter. So, you know, we had like 10 days of reprieve for 20 bucks. at $2 a day. It was a bargain.
0: <laughs> whatever it takes, whatever you got to do. But I, um, how long did that last? Well, we
2: just bought it Sunday, and today is Tuesday, so we'll see. But I did tell him that I can take his password away, um, so I'm not without my, you know, master plan with this. I can change his password and block him out of his game until, you know, he, he behaves himself.
0: Okay, well, that's good. Yeah, you always have to be in control of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's
2: funny, you know, when you talk about control, you know, with respect to divorce, like my kids go to two different households, and we've had some, what what I think are really funny uh, control issues uh, with respect to stuff. Like, we have a thing that has been going on for five years now, or four years now, I call it the sock wars. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I don't know what happens, you know, you know this, because socks disappear in the dryer. Oh, yes disappear in the washer i don't know if they get eaten i don't know what happens but then you'll find a wad of them somewhere that don't have bait. and so Uh we have sock wars because the kids go over to the dads and apparently i buy inferior socks that's that's the problem my socks okay and so what happened which was really funny is the dad's girlfriend who we won't name the girlfriend wrote the dad's name on the bottom of the socks. So the socks said the dad's name on the bottom. Oh, okay. Those okay. no socks will say like Nike or, you know, Air Jordan, you know, something like that. Well, it said, you know, the dad's name.
0: Right. And so that so, they know which house it's supposed to be at. Is that why? So they know. It's, but they were written on white
2: socks with a big okay.
0: black Sharpie marker. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and my kids refused to wear
2: them. They're like, we're not going to school. What if we have to take our shoes off, like at carpet time or wherever they take their shoes off? Oh, they didn't want, you know, their dad's name on the bottom. And then not two weeks later, I got a sock sent to my house with Sharpie written on the bottom that said, please return other.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, that, that, it's, it's hilarious, actually, when you think about it. It's pretty hilarious that somebody can have that much time on their hands
2: it is it is and you know and i put it up you know i hear about divorced (laughs) families all the time you know fighting over pants and shoes and you know we go through all that too but the sock wars to me has just been fabulous because i don't know about you i can go to walmart and pick up a 10 pack for a couple bucks they're like 50 cents a piece um but to take a sharpie and take that time and it was legible see i can't do that because i have the handwriting of a serial
3: killer (laughs) just
0: like who scribbled on my socks yeah me too me too you wouldn't be able to decipher what it says but That's pretty funny. That's well, it was too cuz I thought, gee, you write
2: the dad's name on the sock, not the kid's name cuz I thought they did it in their underpants too. And I thought <laughs> how interesting because who does the stuff belong to as a kid? Is it, you know, my contention, you know, and, and Tracy correct me if you think I'm thinking wrongly here. They're the kids' clothes. They belong to the kids. They're exactly. made for the kids, they're the kid size. They're the kids' clothes. So, right. I could putting their last name in them, but I would never put my name on a kid's garment.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, you don't take away their identity. I mean, you know, it's it's a little ridiculous. But, you know, I'm sure in their line of thinking, they just thought, in their line of thinking, that, okay, these pairs of socks and certain clothing items stay at this house. And I don't know why that would be, because who cares? But, you know, maybe in their line of thinking that, that makes sense to them, you know. It doesn't to me. And I wouldn't
2: do it, but, you know. It isn't to me, but I have had to adjust, like, when you talk about stuff, I've had to adjust my thinking of stuff, because I had certain rules in my house, like the DS doesn't leave the house, you know, the, you know, certain expensive items don't leave the house. But then right, yeah. I realized, you know, the kids have, you know, part-time over at their dads, and they miss their things. And, it's, and it actually felt wrong to punish them by saying, it felt like I was saying, this is my stuff. And it really... Right. It really raised the idea of what is stuff and, you know, kind of who does it really belong to.
0: Right, right. Yeah. But, you know, on the other hand, they probably have plenty of stuff to play with over there, hopefully. You know, they've got like a different set of stuff that they, you know, have there. Sure. It's just that. So you don't have to feel so bad, you know, if they don't. Because I I admit it, I wouldn't want them taking an expensive DS because I wouldn't want it to leave leave the house just because I think they could drop it or you know lose it in the pool or something so
2: yeah, or yeah. the three cell phones that disappeared that I sent over there until finally yeah. we they, Verizon wouldn't give me any more replacement phones. You know, they yeah. will kick you out of the program once you go over your limit when you buy insurance.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a good way to get out of a contract if you're trying to get out. No. It's so hard to get out of those phone contracts
2: sometimes. $12 a month I'm still billed that. Yeah. And uh, But it's interesting, like, now you and your husband, you have your own stuff, and the kids hopefully stay out of your stuff. Mine don't. Mine go through everything, um, to a point. Um, But how do you divide up, like, what's yours and what's Tom's, and then what's your kids? I mean, is that an issue at all ever in your house?
0: You know what? It isn't. It's almost like it's underlying, like, everyone knows whose stuff is what without it being an issue. It It really... Like, they know not to come into the office and touch mommy and daddy's computers, and they um, they, they just kind of know. It's, it's kind of funny. We don't seem to have the issue with the kids touching the adult stuff. It's the kids with the kids' stuff is, tends to be the issue at our house. So, in that respect, you
2: know. I, I see that, because my kids don't go in my office, but they will, and especially because they're boys, and they're close in age, and they actually, like, their socks are the same size. And, right, right then underpants can be a close call. Um, and I get them mixed up, you know, and Max will be like, Mom, you know, you put my, you put my shorts on, Zach. Right,
0: it's, like it's a huge you know. issue. And at that time for them in their lives, it is. It <laughs> is. <laughs> you know? And Crazy,
2: you don't want to go like, relax, they're Hanes underpants. I can get a package for 20, you know, for 20 bucks. But right, to them, it's very important.
0: Yeah. It is, and I and I always have to remember that, you know, what are they complaining about? What are they whining about? And I have to think, okay, I'm, you know, I'm 45, and, you know, they're 8. So, <laughs> you know, got to remember that. But, of course, in their world, that's an important thing right now. So, yeah, it's yeah. an eye-opener. Oh.
2: Well, and I think it happens to all of us. I found when I was home in New York, and my whole family was going out in the boat, and I had bought two really nice life jackets for my kids, the kinds that are neoprene that don't chafe under their armpits. And one of the other people that were home bought these, like, cheap-ass Walmart scrapers, you know, the orange right. one. Yeah, and yeah. You know, they were, you know, everybody was like, you know what, let's switch the life jackets around because this one doesn't fit this kid. And my two expensive life jackets went to two other kids and one of my kids got the itchy, scratchy special.
0: Uh, I, uh, I know. Yeah, I know that's bad. You know, you've got to spend the money on some things. I mean, come on, some things you just have to not cheap out on because, it, you know, it, you pay the price.
2: That's right. That's right. Well, my name is Sandra Beck. I'm the host of Motherhood Talk Radio. My guest co-host today is Tracy Costin, and we are going to welcome uh, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. After the, she is a New York City licensed psychologist or New York State licensed psychologist, and. She's very, very familiar um, with stuff issues. And she's going to kind of unravel when we get a- back after the break why we feel this way, how to draw the lines with our kids, where to draw those lines. And I think as new moms, you know, both Tracy and I are only like eight and nine years into our tour of duty. It's really helpful to have an expert opinion on the issue of stuff.
1: Stay with us, there's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. Got my dreams, got my life, got my love, got my friends, got the sunshine above. Why am I making this hard?
4: Have you been laid off, fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, President of Sherwood Consulting Service successfully unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search physical tasks mental attitude emotional health even one spiritual perspective all must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed this show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work for more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, successfullyunemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 central here on toginet.com. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. for more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com.
3: you up
1: Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck, bringing you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests every week, helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Let's get back to the show. Here's Sandra Beck.
2: Hey, Mamas. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with my guest co-host, Tracy Coston. Tracy and I have children um, approximately the same age. They're both elementary school age kids under the age of nine, and uh, we are talking today about stuff, and what stuff does to adults and children, and how we divide those lines. And I'm going to get my free therapy on the air, Tracy, so you'll just have to hold on to me. I told, um, <laughs> I do, I love this. I get the best experts in the country to help me with all my problems. Um, I had Great. told earlier in the segment um, that we had an issue in our house with regard to stuff, that when the socks <laughs> wouldn't come back from the dad and the girlfriend's house, the girlfriend would write, you know, please return, and send a sock or write the dad's name on socks and underwear, things like that. And a lot of it was because, and she actually wrote me an email saying, you know, my stuff is inferior, it's subpar, it's, it's, it's junk, basically, from, you know, Walmart <laughs> and Target. And so I'm interested to hear what Dr. Suzanne has to say about that, because these sock wars, man, they have driven me nuts for years.
5: <laughs> Hi, Sandy. <laughs> hey
2: welcome to the show
5: oh thanks for having me um i'm listening and i'm laughing along with both of you um here's just a hypothesis i don't know the players but i would say that when the girlfriend of the ex is writing his name on the kids underwear and socks we're not talking about the underwear and socks we're talking about competitive parenting we're talking about turf wars that is Often, having been having worked with people in every piece of this puzzle, that person is trying to find a way to feel of value and in some ways often competitive with mom, the real mom, the natural mom, so that if we have any arena in which we're going to stamp belongs to us, we do it better, we're going to do it. And that's what I heard in that. I mean, there's absolutely no reason why you can't mark the tips of the sock with a dot, a colored dot. Or ask the right. kids, what do, you, what, what do you want to put on the, on the tip of your sock so we remember? I mean, we don't really have to write someone else's name, much less dad's name. I mean, right. it makes sense to me. Your question is a real good one. Would we not write last names? Because if we found them in school, it wouldn't match any child in the class's name. That's true. Yeah. So I I don't think this is about the kids, the socks. (laughs) You know, I I think it's a very good example, though, where stuff becomes the turf or the agenda when it really is not the stuff. Um, Stuff does provide plenty to agree about or fight about. Um, or reconsider, because we've got everyone from hoarders to little ones to collectors and all the rest of us in between, so everybody has stuff. But I actually think stuff in and of itself brings issues, and then people use stuff. They can be fighting about the shoes, but we're really not talking about the shoes. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's a good thing that, um, you know, I hear that not only, you know, with my own um, family, you know, with my own family dynamic, but some of the others that are in the same family counseling group mm-hmm. as I am, you know, where the the one party shops at the mall and they buy brand name, everything, and then usually it's the mom like me who's the single mom, not in a relationships, not supported financially, that does go to Walmart. You know, we do cut corners um, where we can by choice or by necessity. How come its Is it that one-upmanship? Is it the grass is greener? Is it What is it about having, um, or is that just another turf
3: war?
5: Well, you know, it probably reflects some of the personalities. I think sometimes it's parental competitiveness. But to just go back to the kids, I think that you can get hooked in it. It sounds like you didn't. I mean, it's funny you even mentioned you did a blog on it. And I think you sort of... Rather than get hooked into it, you almost have to laugh it away. But when we think about the kids, and I wanted to put this out there, if we're thinking of kids and stuff, I think it's helpful to think about why we have stuff, all of us, but it will especially help us when we think about our children. We would say that the, well, there's probably three main human motives to having stuff. And we've had stuff from the time we're babies and we had the special blanket, which was a transition from mommy to an object. But when it comes, so when it comes to stuff, one of the first things we need stuff for is utility because stuff helps us do things. So whether it's the favorite shovel, whether it's someone skis, whether it's somebody's roller skates, whether it's the basketball, we love stuff because it actually enhances who we are and reflects a certain sense of mastery. So that when people say, give him your shovel, um, you use the, the spoon, that can be a big question for a little one because that shovel is the way he's making the pile in a certain way. So when we're thinking about from even little ones on, You're really going to encourage sharing, but on the other hand, you want to remember, we don't want to overstep boundaries, whether they're three or they're 33. My boys are 28 and 30, so I've been through these wars and back. But um, in some ways, utility and my pen, my notebook, my crayon um, becomes an important thing. Now, if someone's saying everything is mine, we're into something else. But... That someone could own something that helps them do something is a very important thing. Whether it's, I just brought my mom, who's 94, her rocking chair at the senior citizen um, residence she lives at, with her name plastered on it, because they were not (laughs) going to let her have it. I had a war to have it there, but I refused. She refused to get up out of it, and we refused to give up on it. But that's her rocker, and it's her rocker from home. And so, She says it gives her legs exercise. So in some ways, that's a a version of needing stuff to do things. The other reason we need stuff is self-identity. We really, the reason it's so easy for us, and here's Tracy with a couple stuff comes in. because my husband and I go through this, I'll say something like, why must all your gym backpacks be in the study? And he looks around and says, well, whose piles of books are these? So right. we can go back and forth. I have very—I don't even see my books. I have very little attention to my books because they're so much a part of me. They're invisible. But all he has to do is bring that gym bag in and, boom, I feel like the whole room looked great until his gym bag was in there.
1: Really, my books <laughs> are in
5: there. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you know, the, the thing about our stuff is it becomes important because of what we invest in it, and it represents our identity, I've heard some seniors say, I don't care if I can't drive. You can't take my car from me. That's a piece of who I am. And I've heard people say, who am I if I'm in someone else's kitchen? This kitchen is me. So that, you know, we really have an extension of ourself built into things we cherish. Now, sometimes the things are symbolic. And that's right across the ages from Someone's holding on to a special paper. It's the reason we put children's paintings and everything they make all over our refrigerators to something that we remember from the kids. Um, my brother-in-law wanted my father-in-law's toolbox. He didn't care if they were rusty or how they were, but he's a carpenter, and that was precious to him. So some things we want, we want them for memory. We want them for emotional reason. Sometimes, sometimes we see things aesthetically, like someone will say, how did they spend that money for that piece of sculpture or for that particular piece of jewelry? But in answer, someone could say for a lifetime, I loved that painting or I loved that statue, and I'm going to pass it on to my kids. So, you know, everybody can be judgmental also about stuff that happens between couples also, and really stuff matters. But often we don't know the meaning of it, whether it's a 12-year-old girl who has plastered her mirror with different um, uh, Justin Bieber pictures. Those matter. So when someone says to me, I'm taking all her pictures off, I think, that can't be. That's her mirror. It has to look like that. Mm Because the other thing we need when it comes to stuff is a place to be. A, A corner for a little one to play in. As funny as it sounds, if you've ever had someone in the hospital for a long time, you start to see we've unfortunately had this experience. Our family had one corner and another family, you know, we would sort of wave to them. They had the window corner. You seem to need a place to be. Um, it's, it's what happens with fighting in dorm rooms where people need a place to study. I shared a bedroom my whole life, and I I used to picture we were a year apart, my sister and I. What if there was a wall so my stuff would be on my side and her stuff would be on her side? Uh, We got along forever really well, but I was dying for my own spot. And I think that kids both enjoy and benefit from sharing rooms. My boys did until they decided when they were in high school they wanted separate rooms. Um, But they also enjoy their own special place. So that I think that's another part of when we think of stuff we 're even talking of our territorial core, which is why it 's so hard for refugees or hard when a natural disaster has destroyed stuff, so stuff's really important
2: mm-hmm. you know Suzanne, that's so great um, what. You said about all of these things. And when we come back from the break, I want to talk a little bit about how um, stuff uh, that can be so important to us at some parts in our life can not become important. And I think of my dad being married to my mom for 57 years, and her stuff drove him crazy. But after okay. she passed, <laughs> the stuff now brings him comfort. So go figure. Okay. I'm here today on Motherhood Talk Radio with my guest co host, Tracy Coston. Our guest today is Dr. Suzanne Phillips, and she is helping us unravel. The mystery of stuff. We talked a little bit today about stuff that helps us do things, stuff that helps build our self-identity. It can bring back memories. It can bring us comfort. It can also bring us a place to be. And what I like about shows like this is it gives us a different perspective on parenting, especially if we're having turf wars in a divorce or stuff wars between our children or even adult siblings. So let's talk more about that when we get back from the break.
1: Challenge what the future holds Try and keep your head up to the sky Love as they may Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. You gotta be, you gotta be bad, you gotta be bold, you gotta be wiser You gotta be hard, you gotta be tough, you gotta be stronger together.
4: Get your woohoo on from business and branding to babies, best selling books, and personal breakthroughs. Then it's time to tune in to Woohoo Radio, love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness with your host, Lisa Stedman. Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on TogiNet.com. Using her signature blend of inspiration, motivation, and kick butt action, best selling author and chief woohoo woman Lisa Stedman wants to help you discover the woohoo that only you can do. Lisa will show you how to create your signature woohoo way of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness without losing yourself. If you're tired of a one-size-fits-all approach to career, relationships, and personal growth, get your weekly woohoo on with Lisa and her rock star guests as they reveal their personal stories of bouncing back from boohoo of rock bottom into the woohoo of love, life, business and the pursuit of happiness. Check out her website, LisaStedman.com. Join us for Woohoo Radio. Love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Evermore. People have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Victor Frankel, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Simaluka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Since Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Simaluka and frequent contributor, Alexander Wesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 Central, on toginet.com.
1: Remember, listen as your day unfolds. Challenge what the future holds. Trying to keep your head up to the sky. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck, bringing you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests every week, helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Let's get back to the
2: show. Here's Sandra Beck. Hey Mamas, this is Sandra Beck and we're halfway through our show already. So for those of you that missed the first half of today's Don't Mess With My Stuff show, you can pick us up on iTunes under Motherhood Talk Radio. You can go to our website by the .com of the same name, MotherhoodTalkRadio.com You can also go to our host station, Togenet, T-O-G-I-N-E-T dot com. For those of you picking this up at other parts in the web, we've been on for just over three years and we've got lots of great shows on parenting and we bring in some of the experts, um, the best experts around the world. And we've got one today, Ms. Tracy Coston, my guest expert. Uh, we've got Suzanne Phillips, and we are talking about stuff. And, Tracy, what did you take away from last segment um, that was particularly noteworthy to you?
0: Well, um, everything made sense when, when Suzanne was talking about it. But I um, – and it all hit home. But what I was thinking about was um, – how to keep our sanity as parents with all this stuff. Like, well, I know that stuff is important to children and certain things are important to them. It's their identity and things like that. But what I was what I was getting out of it was, how do I keep my sanity and keep myself from getting so upset when these kids are fighting about their stuff? Because I think that's my big issue is that, you know, we're so busy and we're trying to make dinner and we're trying to pay bills, and all you hear them in the background is fighting over a. Stupid toy, but to them it's not stupid. And I'm just trying to think about how to keep my sanity and how to keep myself from getting too upset over things because, you know, we should choose our battles and we have to remember their kids. And um, that's kind of what I was thinking the whole time, in the back of my mind, the whole time. Okay. Okay. See, there's something to okay. this free radio therapy, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay let's start with let's
5: start then with the children and their stuff and and build in the question of how what matters to them changes over time um you know tracy the turf was it just like you know you're shopping and the sweater you almost want to want another woman picks up and then you want it that kind of thing but um one of the things that i think about negotiating with children that two things the first is the rule of thumb when it comes to children and stuff, stuff being all over, stuff being broken, stuff being, being, um, disputed, is if there's anything in the environment that you can do to avoid actual confrontation, that's the trick. So, that you involve the kids and everything has a bin, everything has a place to go. The, well, I'll talk about my Is The GI Joe guys were in one bin. You know, the um, trucks were in another bin. We never finished playing with a room where everyone put everything back. And I would often use a timer to show them how quickly we really could do that. But one thing about having things together like that is they often see the variety so that instead of one Strewn truck in one in the living room and something else in the hallway. When we start out and we come back from school and all the trucks are in the bin or all the GI Joe guys are together, the chance of the fights are reduced a little bit. But when in fact everyone wants the same gun, truck, etc., I would see, I would listen and see if they could work it out. But if it started to escalate, then I would usually say, let's time it, guys. Each of you can take a turn, and and the other one can play with anything else. When that bell goes off, there's got to be a switch. Now, sometimes they ignored me and kept fighting, but often they were willing to do the timing. The timing's an interesting thing because people, even adults, don't even have sometimes a conception of how quickly it takes to clean things up if everybody's helping, or you know what, I wanted this now that I got the 10 minutes to play with it. Mm, do I really want to play with it for the 10 minutes? So that sometimes you can disrupt the pattern of I want what you have a little bit with an intervention like that. Um, that's the same thing with with the kind of sharing. In, in relation to things changing over time, all of our children have so much and my kids had so much that often – they don't even know what they want, and they can't even find what they what really is suited to them <laughs> at a certain age. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we would do this thing where we would, you know, every so often do a kind of toy reevaluation, clean up, package up, bring to thrift shops, bring to other places. That is, we would overhaul so that we didn't have a room where we couldn't find the really new things that they loved. And they got into that. They did that their whole childhood, so that it's often a good way to clean up the good things we shine up, someone else benefits from, and it often it gets some of the stuff out. Right. Lots of times, um, because my kids... Um, sometimes I was working and they they would be going over to spend time with my sister's or whatever. Some of the bins that they carried their stuff in were like traveling bins, you know, so that that worry about them losing their stuff as they go to the the dad or whatever. Sometimes they really feel like they're with, they feel secure having their stuff with them. I get the piece about the lost cell phones, but I think if you can make some of the stuff, um, easily transportable in a way that they know they don't leave till they check. There's so many pieces back in the little carrying case. We used to use fishing, um, like fishermen's cases. They have a little handle and a, and they can close um, or little plastic toolboxes as a way to have them transport some of their things.
2: Hmm. Yeah those are really great ideas. Um, what do you think about, and I've been doing this, and I'm, I'm hesitant to ask because I'm going to be like the bad mother on the air. Um, what do you think about? and my parent I learned this from my parents, so it might be old-dated you know parenting. but when my kids fight about a toy and it escalates, I give them like two minutes to figure out a solution, or I just take it away. Great. And I it. Is that okay?
5: I love the timing too. If they can figure it out, there's nothing better than them coming up with their own negotiation.
2: Yeah, I put the microwave on. Yeah, that's great. Five minutes.
5: I think that's a great idea, Sandy. I do.
2: Good job, Mom. We just say that's up in heaven. That was her thing, you know. But you never know because stuff passed down from you know kid to parent. Sometimes we know better, we do better. When it comes to explaining to kids what's their stuff, like I have my kids, and they'd die if they heard this broadcast. They each have little stuffed animals and little stuffed blankets that they sleep with. Mm -hmm. You know, huge comfort to them, huge Mm -hmm. embarrassment if their friends find out. Mm
5: -hmm. Um, Except their friends have them, too.
2: That's true. That's (laughs) true. Right, Their moms are not on the air. They all have them. (laughs) those, to me, are non-negotiables. I have a couple right. non-negotiables yeah. that the kids never have to share. I think that's important. I you see. know, it would be important to me because there's some things that I don't feel like I ever have to share. Yeah. Is that okay?
5: Well, see, that, see what, that's really the piece of... Um, verifying sense of individuated self. This is my possession. This belongs to me. And the fact that the other child is being invited to respect that boundary and his or her own boundaries respected is a really wonderful thing. You want to believe, whether you're in the military, um, whether you're at school, or whether you're a little one in the bedroom, that there are some things that are specially yours. And it's nice that the brother or sister knows oh no that's timmy's oh no this one is mine so that you know we really are teaching boundaries because you know one of our problems when we get to i see so many couples is when someone doesn't have boundaries and decides man, they're going to throw away something that they thought their their spouse didn't really need or they thought really didn't look that good in the room or i mean these are horror stories and you can imagine what they cause respect for the others very important psychological possessions, and that's what those little animals or those stuffed um, animals often are. Some, for some, sometimes it's a piece of costume jewelry. Sometimes it's a very special toy, and even though the child has outgrown it, they want one toy
0: from that time.
2: So, I just want to step back a step just because I had trouble with this when I first went into family counseling with respect to my divorce. The word boundary is something I think that's fairly new, especially for us 40 somethings. You know, we didn't learn boundaries in our 20s, (laughs) we didn't use that term. Can you? Talk a little bit about, we have a couple minutes to break. You can go for about two and a half minutes. What is a boundary, and why are they important? Because we use that word a lot, but I know that I was unsure what that even meant.
5: Okay, so the best way to describe it is it's as if it's a frame that we all have or a fence that we all have around us. Not so much to keep people out, but to identify our sense of self so that For instance, if I'm working on a certain desk and someone pushes me over and takes my pen or scribbles on my my paper, they've intruded into my boundary space. Um, If a little one has just made a sandcastle in a park and someone comes over and steps on it, They've been not only destructive, but they've, they've, they've really stepped into that person's space. In some families, there's not much room. Someone's bed may be their only space. So boundary is not only a psychological concept in terms of what I identify as me and mine, but it's also the place that, I am at, that I'm in at the very moment. It's a big problem in college dorms in terms of this is my space, those are my, those are my sweaters, Why would you go into my closet and use the sweater? That would be considered really um, crossing a boundary line. Or if you make a private call to a friend of mine to share something that I shared with you privately, that's a boundary violation also. So it really, it's both literal in terms of the sandcastle and it's psychological and emotional in terms of trust, sense of self, definition of friends, how far we feel we can go that's that's sort of the concept of boundaries
2: I love that. I love that. When you were talking about boundaries, all I could think of was like my mom's purse. Like we were not allowed to go right. in my mom's purse. That Perfect. was her private thing. And she used to tell my sisters and I about, you know, her purse, meaning, and she's like, your life is also as girls, your life is your purse and people should just come in and ruffle around and you should tell people what you saw on there when you were looking. I mean, it was, it's really a great analogy. Uh, we're going to go to commercial break. Our guest today is Dr. Suzanne Phillips and we are talking about don't touch my stuff with our guest co-host Tracy Coston. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about how different stressors in our lives cause us to react differently with our stuff. <laughs>
1: Stay with us there's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages
4: I am beautiful no matter what they say Attention parents and teachers. Here is a series of alarming yet true facts about the current state of teaching reading in the United States. The federal government has spent close to half a trillion dollars to improve reading ability, and yet we still have over 8 million students who cannot read on grade level, 440,000 students who have a total reading vocabulary of 50 words or less, and a national dropout rate of one new student every 26 seconds. Sadly, one of these could be yours fortunately it's not too late to help introducing the reading show with dr joe a fast-paced highly informative easy to listen to show led by nationally recognized reading authority dr joe Lokovich. for more on joe on the show check out his website failurefreeonline.com listen in this week to learn amazingly simple ways to turn this problem around the reading show with dr joe With your host, Dr. Joe Lockovich. Fridays at 10 a.m. Central on togynet.com. Lori Hurley,
3: the social networking navigator, helps you overcome your overwhelm online and makes social media easy. Every week, she shares the latest and greatest about social networking and welcomes industry experts and end users of different social media platforms to share their experiences moving their business forward online. Whether you are a Facebook fanatic or a lover of LinkedIn, Lori has you covered on all angles of social media media including twitter youtube blogging google plus and more lori shares her knowledge and love of educating others on all things social media with relevant material engaging guests and hot tips and techniques to help you soar down the social media highway join her every wednesday at 4 p.m central standard time for the social networking news hour here on the woohoo radio network
1: back to motherhood talk radio with sandra beck bringing you interesting influential and inspiring guests every week helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us let's get back to the show here's sandra beck
2: Hey, mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Tracy Coston. And our guest today is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. And we are talking about don't touch my stuff, what does stuff mean? And for our final segment today, we're going to talk about stress loss with respect to stuff. I know when I went through my divorce, um, at first, my ex husband didn't want anything, and then a couple years later, came back and demanded. You know, half of the stuff, things that were in the house, they came in, picked up things. I know when my grandma died, there was issues in my family with some of the girls because one sister went in and took a bunch of stuff, and then the other girls got mad. And, you know, this was stuff that, honestly, I don't think we really wanted. We loved our grandma, but it wasn't like, you know, we were, she was older, it was her time, and it was a wonderful life and a great death, but it was still a loss. And with respect to my divorce, that was a very high emotion. Emotional time, and I've seen couples fight over stuff that's really junk, um, and spend a lot in legal bills. So, Suzanne, I can't wait for your, your, you know, twenty cents on this stuff.
5: Well, let me just give you the extreme because I had done a blog on um, another perspective of hoarding being a result of trauma, because as a result of research usually we associate obsessive-compulsive behavior with hoarding. So they compared one group of obsessive-compulsive folks who were hoarding, one group that were just obsessive-compulsive folks who had that disorder, and, in, and then one group of people who were hoarders. And in both the hoarding group, those folks associated on the scales, 50% of those folks reported that they associated the hoarding and the needing to hold on to things as connected with an earlier stress or trauma. So at a, at a much less intense level, there's a very high correlation between holding on to things in the aftermath of loss, whether it's divorce whether it's death as with your dad and and your mom's stuff and needing her stuff all of a sudden, maybe even with children in the face of divorce in terms of their stuff being so important in different places. Trauma always involves loss because it changes things, whether it's a loss of a person or a loss of a family configuration or a loss from natural disaster or a loss of self-esteem, there's a loss. And so very often, the natural urge is to have something replace it. And often, it's a collection of stuff or it's stuff, in quotes, because The feeling is also after trauma that things are unpredictable. I can lose anyone at any time. So we're going to try to prevent that, this kind of crazy solution, but almost actually not so crazy when you think of it. I won't have people. I'll have stuff. And if it's stuff, I can control it better, and I will feel less helpless. So that very often you will see a little one who has had a very stressful um, year or whatever, if they come to play at, I observe this sometimes when some of the little, little boys would come to play with kids, that if that child had a, a rough situation going on, they were gathering any toy they could possibly hold, maybe 50 plastic guns, and they really weren't going to share that with anyone else that day. Now, thankfully, the other kids were into other things, but there was in the holding of all these and the feeling of even your, your um, sister or was it the cousin collecting all of grandma's stuff, a feeling of I'm going to hold these. And in some ways, we hypothesize that it sort of replaces the whole we feel inside when we do suffer a loss or we do suffer a
2: trauma. So it kind of fills that, helps fill that hole? Is that what you're yes. saying?
5: And that feeling of helplessness in the sense of loss generally makes us feel very isolated. Um, no matter how many people are, are involved in a traumatic loss, there's a feeling like you alone are going through it, whatever it happens to be. And so there's also often the feeling, this is true in compulsive shopping, in hoarding and collecting, that, you know, in some ways I'm going to fill myself up. I'll throw myself up with things, because in some way, I can't trust people so much, I, and I'm alone in this. The problem of course with with hoarding is they end up porters unfortunately, it's tragic end up often so isolated or so embarrassed to have people come to their home so that the, ice, the people really the people are really replaced with things so
2: that's now, when. Oh, sorry. When they're little kids, like, is there a, you know, I don't, I don't know, because my kids aren't old enough. Do they like? I have one little guy who loves his stuffed animals. He has, you know, a million of them in his bed. The other one, he's got two or three, and he really could care less about acquiring things. Is that something that's developmental? Do you grow out of that, or is that just the way we're made?
5: Have different personalities, but I think Tracy's kids' age and your kids' age—that's the collection time. I mean, we—I mean, my one son who had all the GI Joe guys you could imagine—they were much more important to him than to his brother, who was much more into sports and basketball, etc. Um, so that I think—I actually think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing collecting for children. I think um, it really gives them a sense of ownership and a real sense of taking care of things. So, and it's that age group is very big. It, whether it's dolls for girls or um, whatever it happens to be, um, I think collecting is very appropriate for that age. Collecting is actually very nice for people across the age spans, but particularly your, your your little guys, it fits perfectly.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Tracy, I'm like, Oh my god, am I raising a hoarder? You know <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. Like, my kids like to save the boxes the things come in. <laughs> and I have to throw that stuff away when they're not looking. I mean it's crazy. <laughs> the stuff they wanna keep.
5: Yeah. It's very, <laughs> very interesting. You know that that things have gotten extremes like with couples, um, when one person Stuff is really making the, un- the other person not able to be who they are. If you're married to someone who has created so much chaos in your home because of stuff that you can't invite people over, you have a problem, <laughs> and the children usually suffer in that kind of a home because they're embarrassed also. Right. So hoard- hoarding is really a, a real painful situation for everyone involved um i think you know i think kids they probably want to save the box kids that's very i we had the boxes too (laughs) so we would say i don't think
2: we're bringing this back
5: right do we need
2: these boxes
5: so uh, but that sort of fits well
2: some of the packaging is so cool i mean it's like you know like on this lego stuff there's so much to read and so much to see i mean i agree with you trace we got to throw it out at some point or recycle it but you know the the packaging today is sometimes as exciting and entertaining as the stuff itself (laughs)
5: It's yeah, very, and it also sometimes is a great container for other little things. You know, the boxes themselves become like organizational bins if if they're workable that way. We, we should probably mention because I think your example with your dad and your mom is a good one, in which, you know, the rule is what's mine is yours and what's mine is, and yours is mine. Well, that's true with couples, except we really don't care about maybe their tools. They hate our shoes or they like our shoes. They just don't <laughs> like so many of them, but. um the, the piece about when you lose a spouse or a partner, um, having done so many bereavement groups, people would often say, someone in the group would say, someone, they're telling me that I really, these were young moms who lost, lost husbands after 9-11, they would say, you know what, I, I don't really want to clean the closet out. And my, my big point is always you grieve in your own time, your own way, however you want to do it. And over time, they, they went through things, probably as your dad did too, Um, Just like I think sometimes children want something from a favorite teacher or they want something from a trip. I mean, there's something to souvenirs. You know, as goofy as they may be, there's something about these things that come back from Disney. I mean, they were on our shelves for a long time, some of those Disney things. So they're also collectors of memories for children as well as adults. When you have the Disney cap, every time you look at that, that's an opportunity to... For a moment, to just take a break and remember what you loved about the Magic Kingdom or what you loved about Epcot. So things have that kind of power also. They give us a time out um, because they're often laden with memories.
2: Well, and does that go away? Like, you know, my mom's only been dead a year, and I have a lot of her stuff in my Mm -hmm. house. Her one house was right down the street with me, so we just moved it up here as I go through it. And I find it's very emotional for me to go through her stuff. And I can't – sometimes it'll be, you know, a month or two before I can get to a box or a a bin of clothing. Um, And my mom was really specific. She didn't want her stuff sold. She wanted it all donated to good causes, but I can't just dump it. You know, I know what her wishes would be. um does that emotion fade with time like will it that get easier for me Yes
5: yes I would say to you take your time it is very tiring it's very emotional and you you really you want it to be more meaningful than to be um hard work I think at different times you and you can just do so much it, at certain times. Sometimes you can make it through a box or two, and then it really brings you back to so much. Then that's just about it for the day. I mean, I think that sometimes people try to go through and level it all so soon that later, you know, they're really swept over with the book. They don't even hardly know what they kept and why. So that I'm always encouraging people. Someone wrote a book called I'm Grieving As Fast As I Can. It's a wonderful oh. book. Um, because it really, it's written by a young widow whose friend said, aren't you ready yet? Aren't you cleaning the house yet? Didn't you empty the boxes? And she said, I'm grieving as fast as I can. And I love the title and everybody I work with loves the book. But so, Sandy, I would say take your time because it's also a way of being close to your mom as you go through the things.
2: Oh, thanks, Suzanne. You're always such a wealth of information and Tracy too for sharing your personal stories because you know when we have shows like this, you know, not only do I get a lot of help um from from Dr. Suzanne, but people listening today, I hope that it helps you. Um, because we all eventually go through the loss of a parent. We go through the turf wars with people, we go through the stuff wars with our kids. I wanna thank Dr. Suzanne Phillips for being our guest today. I wanna to thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Always. I want to thank my lovely co-host Tracy Coston, for stepping up to the plate and co-hosting mm-hmm. with me today and sharing her stories. And, mm-hmm. um, We have such a great show coming up. We're going to be changing formats in November. We're going to be changing uh, to powering up. We're going to talk about how to move forward, how how to bring our young women into the next generation. So make sure you stay tuned in the coming weeks. You're going to see that format change. My name is Sandra Beck. I'm the host of Motherhood Talk Radio, and I thank you for being with us today.
1: Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck.